You're listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Fucking around. around. Welcome in to Pucking Around here on Sports Radio Detroit. I'm Jason Pinkham, and I'm here today with the franchise Steve Height, and we're here to discuss the baby NHL season in what is quickly becoming a regular schedule of shows. It doesn't feel like forever since we've done this. It's kind of nice. However, uh, before we get started, how has your league experience been so far this year? I mean, I I, I think I'm going to be saying this in a biased manner, but this year's been pretty good so far. Puts the ball on the tee, and he swings for the fences. I'm sure it's a great year for you right now. My, my team is still winless, and your team is, are they lossless, I believe? Uh, I think they, yeah, they're 4-0 and 1. Oh, they got one loss. One no, loss, 5-1. and one. Yeah, 5-1, and one. yeah, that's right. 5-1, and one. you're in a good position. Yeah, they lost the to Ottawa. Yeah, question <laughs> mark, very big question mark on that one. All right, uh, with our new format and like with a, more of a willingness to research and be prepared and everything... I think I want to start by starting these shows out with a rundown of our topics, and then we'll go into them. Uh, today we're going to hit on the Austin Watson appeal. Uh, rookies and youth making a push in the NHL really early and really quick and really loud in some cases. A uh, shout out to my partner with a, a topic on the Leafs tearing it up. Uh, the new Hurricanes victory celebration. Uh, a, sta- a, a, a discussion on sort of an old topic, but it happened between our last recording and now with the Marchand issue. And then a little minute on uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, which we'll get into when we get there. Let's start by talking about this Austin Watson thing. Austin Watson over the summer uh, was caught. Basically, uh, he was at a gas station, I believe, and uh, there was a scuffle between he and his girlfriend. It was a misdemeanor charge of a domestic assault after a witness flagged down a police officer at a gas station in Franklin, Tennessee in June to alert them of an incident between Watson and his girlfriend. Watson told police he and his girlfriend were arguing and that he pushed her, blah, 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 blah. The result was initially a 27-game suspension. Uh, However, Shyam Das, neutral arbiter for the NHL, has reduced that suspension to 18 games. Worth noting, before I get your opinion on this, Steve, Shyam Das was fired by the MLB in 2012 for being the guy who overturned the Ryan Braun PED suspension. So Shyam Das does not exactly have a spotless record of making the right decision all the time. Uh, in this case, you know, I'll just offer my opinion up at the start. I think he fucked up. I don't. I, I think that because there's no, there's no clear-cut rule and clear-cut consequences as is the case with everything in the fucking NHL they should ju- they should have gone they should have left it at 27 and le- left it there and use that as a precedent because we can't have players appealing things that are pretty cut and dry in the sense of if you hit your girlfriend you should not be allowed to play a full season and collect millions of dollars in my belief where do you stand on this I, I think I would have shared the same sentiment until I saw what came out yesterday. Uh, basically, there was a statement released by 
you know, the woman saying that, you know, that day, you know, they had been in a pretty serious argument and a lot of it had to do with the fact that she is battling alcoholism. So she was intoxicated during the event, which happened. So during the argument and I mean, yeah, never pushed anybody, you know, like that's that's just rule number one. I, I think them reduce. He's still out almost 20 games. So yeah. I think that they only you know, took a third off of the suspen- suspension, I guess you could say. Yeah, so, they reduced it Yeah, by nine. <clears throat> by nine. So, I mean, I, I think it's still a good chunk of games. It's not a Tom Wilson suspension by any means, but I, I find it amazing that a guy like th- these kind of situations, I think if we're going to be honest, they shouldn't be able to appeal this kind of a thing. I- I'm kind of with you on that sense because, I mean, the I think when it comes to suspensions of like hits and things like that, there's ways I think that you can appeal those because in those situations, a lot of what's determined by the suspension is by your prerequisites of what you've done. And I think in this situation, he's never shown any incidents of this. This is a first time incident and you just give him the max. So I, I think the domestic abuse stuff is especially more touchy with what's been going on politically lately. And I think it's very politically charged. So I, I think I'm okay with them giving him a max and and not changing it. But I understand that, you know, that's what unions are for and (laughs) those kind of things. It's, it's there to protect the player's rights. So, well, I can speak as a member of an active union and I can say that if I had a chance to vote, if, if one of my coworkers was given time off, uh, in regards to, you know, being arrested for either like drunk driving or spousal abuse and, and an arbiter showed up and was like, no, we're going to give him, you know, one less week off instead of the three we were going to give him. I'd be honestly just as mad as I am at this, where it's like, I know the union is supposed to be there to protect players and protect their interests. But at this point, like we're putting players interests over basic morality, in my opinion, even if she was an alcoholic, even if she was dealing with alcoholism, which is fine. And, and that's it, it's not a pass in any way, in any way, shape or form. And for me. I mean, I've dealt with a girlfriend who was an alcoholic, and I was never once tempted to even do anything physical to her in that way. So, same. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah. So, I think that for me, if if they're using the alcoholism as a crutch to allow, basically, a uh, you know, a guy to get a couple hundred thousand dollars more, I I I don't like it. I don't I don't like any part of this right now, as it stands right now, unless something drastic changes and she comes out and says. I deserved it, which in which case, even then, still, I'm kind of on the fence of like, no, like this is this should be the 27. But, you know, what are you going to do? It's the NHL. They have no rules in place for any of this. There are no rules on the rule book about this, which is the big problem, in my opinion. I think that's the problem with all the major sports is this. They're so hit or miss with things of this nature. And I think the more that these things become a more of a social front, especially, like I said, with the political happenings recently, that. It's something that I think they need to make a concrete answer for because I, I think if we're being honest, there's a lot of fans that don't care about morality. They just want to see wins. But I think there's a good majority of us, like you and I, that's that kind of like pay attention to decisions that are made by leagues like this because that's one of the main reasons I can't get behind the NFL is because of their lackadaisical approach to a lot of these situations. So it and and a lot of it is more determined by just I think the game itself is boring but <laughs> i mean that's why i can only watch red zone i get it man yeah it's just like when they handle things like this and and they make reduces and, and i think especially you think of maybe somebody who's dealt with abuse they go wow i can't support that 
because they're just going to let this guy, you know, walk for a certain amount of games. Like, I, that, I can that, definitely understand it. Well, and that's the funny thing on my side. I've never dealt with abuse and I've never abused or been abused or even had abuse in my family. But for me, it's just a matter of what's right and what's wrong. Uh, that's morality. Why that's why I don't support players like Ben Roethlisberger. I don't support, you know, that, that decision in Buffalo a few years back in the NFL where they had a a kicker who was really good and they protected him for a few years while he was like locking his wife and kid in a bathroom and stuff like that. It's like, it always seems to be dependent on their value to the team. Cause Ray Rice was sold down the river immediately. And it, it's fascinating to me. And I, I wonder what will come of this. Go ahead. I was going to say Colin, Colin Kaepernick took a knee and he's not in the NFL anymore, but somebody yeah, can no sit shit. there and hit his wife and he's getting a three year deal for $18 million. Well, he is Austin Watson. I mean, <laughs> Anyways, let's 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 move away from that. Let's let's actually use this as a segue to discuss uh, a topic that was added right before the show. Uh, to kind of a subtopic to this, the uh, Matheson hit on Elias Peterson. That will be our segue into the youth discussion. Uh, I had Peterson on here in advance, but uh, because of just his performance. But seeing this hit that Michael Matheson hit on him last night, that uh, basically the NHL player safety tweeted out. Uh, today at noon uh, that Mike Matheson will have a hearing tomorrow for interference slash unsportsmanlike conduct on Vancouver's Elias Pedersen. Uh, Michael Matheson, okay, so to set it up for anybody who didn't see it, uh, Elias Pedersen was on the back side of the net, back right side, and uh, Matheson basically had been following him from the left side and went the other way around on the front side and ran into him full bore. And Steve and I discussed this pre-show. The hit itself, the initial hit, I'm kind of okay with it. Like that's just a normal run of the mill hockey play hit. If at most it's a two minute roughing. Yeah, but then once he gets airborne because the hit does lift him off the ice, Mike Matheson proceeds to take his left arm and basically like do a, like a rock bottom to him and force him down so hard that when I, Pedersen got up, he stumbles down and his helmet's like his visor is basically like in his mouth, like his helmet's fogging up because he's just breathing into it because he doesn't care because he's either clearly concussed or jarred. And I think that's where, I mean, Canucks coach himself, Travis Green, said it's dirty. I agree. I think after the hit, that that second you know extra hit is dirty. Uh, I don't know how much of a suspension it merits, though, especially with that Tom Wilson hit being so diametrically different. Like, Tom Wilson was clearly headhunting. Mike Matheson was seemed to be like an in-the-moment bad decision. Where, where do I, you stand on this? I would say it's an in-the-moment, passionate he just took it too far. Where like the, the initial hit was good, but then something just sparked him in his brain to drive through that hit even more. Which I think that's what the NHL is trying to get rid of. It's the initial hit, probably okay in most situations. I mean, maybe it was slightly behind on the numbers, but then he made the extra effort to turn and and push him th- with momentum. He almost slew footed him in a way too to get him off into the air. And I think Rock that's bottom. the yeah. And I think that's the unsportsmanlike conduct that they're referencing in in the tweet. So, I. Like I said, the initial hit, not bad, but the willingness to drive through and intend to injure somebody and drive through that hit, I think you're looking at probably five to ten games right there. I, so in my if you opinion. Were, if you were making that call, what would you do put five what would you put like eight eight on it? I'd probably go I'd probably go eight because I think it's maybe first offense. But I think our first offenses need to start being a lot higher to to drive down people making these really dumb, bad hockey decisions because I mean, we've all, I mean, I don't think we've all been there, but I've been there in those situations where you make a hit, you're in the moment, something in earlier in that game has happened, maybe you were slashed, somebody's running their mouth, and you make a bad emotional decision with the hit, and you regret it, and things happen. I know these guys are not there to headhunt and hurt, that guy does not have that reputation either, 
but you're in the moment. I saw the hit. It, it, it definitely felt passionately fused to make a really bad decision. So I think in those situations, you got to go a little bit harder because you want to deter people from making bad decisions because this is a guy currently who's one of the best players on his team, and he's probably going to be out for maybe some kind of time because maybe he's concussed. You know, maybe there's some collarbone injury or something. Like, you can't have guys being in the NHL being knocked out of games like this. It's not good for the league. It's a guy who has – it's a rookie who has a goal a game. Five yeah. goals, three assists in five games, eight points. He's – on a team like Vancouver that is mostly trash, he's kind of one of the few highlights. And I, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, it, it's not that you need to protect just a few players or anything like that, but you need to protect everybody. And I, I think, uh, you know, former uh, friend of the show, a friend of the show, uh, Lauren, points this out all the time whenever there's a headhunting thing on Twitter where it's like, if your, if your decisions in, in a given moment are motivated by trying to injure somebody or trying to, quote unquote, take them out of the game, we need to take you out of the game. And we don't need you. Like, I, I, no offense to guys like Tom Wilson or Mike Matheson. I'm sure you are fine people outside of the sport, but... Tom Wilson, you look like you're trying to fucking murder people all the time. And Mike Matheson, in that moment after that first hit, looked like he was trying to, like, I'm going to fucking get rid of this guy. Like, and that's that seemed to be his intent, again, after the first hit. First hit was just a normal hockey hit. That that rock bottom, though, that's that's a problem for me. And that's where I'm probably throwing the book at him because I know an arbiter is going to reduce it. I'm throwing it 10, and then I'm, I know that they're going to get down to probably three. Because that's what they do with everything in the NHL for some weird fucking reason. I don't know why the NHL seems to get a pass on all this, but it just seems to be that. I mean, even right now, there's 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 a the Tom Wilson case is going to Gary Bettman, like it's going all the way to the top, and I'm wondering if Bettman's going to, you know, oh, you just signed a new contract, we better get you back out there. Like, I'm I'm really wondering what that's going to be. I'm hoping they stick with the twenty that he's initially been given. But uh, what do you think will happen with that just as another offshoot to the topic? I mean, it's probably going to get reduced. Just what? Bet, just betting on, like, situations that have previously happened. I mean, I, I think probably to make 15, 15, 16, Man, it's whatever. Like, it's like, what do you have to do? Like, what has to be done? Like, he should what, have been out the half the season. Yeah, but he the question... He should have been 40. No, I agree, but what's the, the question comes, though, again, like... We've seen a player literally put into a wheelchair, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago with Bertuzzi on more. We've seen players concussed and never come back this or come back never the same for years. You know, it's like to what what will it take? Will it take somebody literally dying on ice for them to actually start having rules in place with concrete decisions that can't be revoked or fought to try to, you know, watch out for the player's best interest? Air quotes. I mean, I, I think. The best way to relate it is to the NFL. And I mean, that's what's happening in the NFL now. You can't touch a guy anymore because all the rules and they're really taking it serious. And, and I think in some ways that's going to start happening in the NHL when you have all these guys having massive CTE and brain injuries that are retiring and being like, yeah, you guys effed me up because you didn't protect us. So, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you, you say the NFL, but there's still a helmet to helmet hit every single week. Yeah. Like, and and, and I saw one too. Yeah, I saw one last week where a player went stiff arm after the hit, meaning he was unconscious on the way down. Like, meaning he had been concussed immediately. Like, he tensed up and he was he was frozen in the position he was in. And it's like, 
I, I like an element of brutality to most of my sports, but it I think there's a line that we don't seem to be able to teach not to cross for some reason. I don't know why. I, th- I think a lot of it, too, is just like if we're being honest, like there's not proper technique teached in a lot of these situations where like you're growing up playing hockey. Our hitting drills is like, just go run that guy over. Like they don't a lot of like unless you have a really good coach or a really good fundamentals, like they don't teach you how to absorb hits, how to take hits. I think if anything, in the NHL, you're probably a little bit better because the boards have some give. I mean, unless you're it's a mid ice hit where they're going full bore. I mean, you know, a lot of the times, and you're way more protected. You have a lot more equipment on. So, I just think if all if anything else, they just need to they need to start suspending guys for a lot of these hits and. Making it some way where they can't adjust the suspension. They need to be able to fully deal the suspension and, and deal with it. Because that's the only way. It's like when you're a kid, right? When you do something dumb, you get spanked. And then you learn your lesson because you're like, wow, that hurt. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. I, I think for me, I think some of it too is, and you, I know we're on the same page on this one. I don't care if the consequence is a less physical game. So for me, if... If, if all this legislation, all this rules leads down to a skill-based game where the best players or the fastest players are thriving and we have less goons just floating around making three, four million dollars a year to just hurt people, that's a good thing in my opinion. And I think that's where we and a lot of fans differ. I think that a lot of fans, and, and it, it's been both of our experience when we go to the Joe or Little Caesars Arena that you hear, I miss Probert, I miss Chelios, I miss McCarty, I miss, you know, Joey Coaster, like where are these guys to hurt people? They need a big, they need a big D man to, to flatten people. And, and if that goes away, and I mean this sincerely, I would be happy for it because I like skill. I like watching fast hockey. That fucking, uh, uh, there was a clip played, uh, a clip on Twitter I saw where it was uh, Team North America versus Team USA. And it was like, this is the fastest hockey I've ever seen. And I watched the video and I was just like, that's like porn to me. That everybody's going a thousand miles an hour and not missing any passes. I could watch that all day. That's just pure skill. I could, I love that. But I don't know. I, I, where where do you stand on the if the result of you know suspensions gets us down to a less physical game, that's a good thing or a bad thing to you? I I think skill always prevails. Skill, in my opinion, generally puts fans in the stands because let's let's take a look at number one jersey sold. It's Crosby, Austin Matthews. McDavid, it's not you know Bob Bob Probert. It's not Darren McCarty. Those Tom don't Wilson. Put, it, Tom Wilson probably sold four jerseys in his life, and it's his family members. I mean, <laughs> like like we're just being honest. Like yeah, there's elements of like fast paced nature with physicality that's amazing. But if you're hurting people, that's not hockey. It's not good nature. Like I wanna, and then like that's when hockey justice happens, and that's still something I'm okay with. Like, if somebody does something dumb and you fight because of it, okay, because then it's done. It's over. No more. We're done with it. Like, it happened in the Nashville-Winnipeg game the other night. There were some bad hits. It got dealt with. The rest of the game was amazing. It was fast-paced. It was, it was you know, intense. It was physical, but it wasn't over the line, and that's what I like about it. But then when you start getting over the line, you start taking all these dumb penalties. It breaks the flow of the game. It takes all the skill out of the game, and then you have teams like Toronto that have a massive power play and they score like nine goals and then you're out of the game. Like, yeah, and then who cares if you then who cares? lost? Yeah, and then for me as a fan, a seven to nothing game is not a game I'm gonna watch. Just Ooh. being honest. Good uh good little mini segue into like a topic that wasn't a full topic, the Marshawn thing, seven nothing. Speaking of fights, Lars Eller scores his seventh goal. 
does a pass to get all the high fives from his team, barely raises his hand, and then the next shift proceeds to get the living shit beat out of him by Brad Marchand. Where... <sighs> what? <sighs> Nothing's going to be done. Nothing's going to be done. Brad Marchand... Just gets to keep, yeah, he just gets to keep living and doing things because he's... You know, he's number eight right now in scoring, 10 points in five games. Helps that they had an 8-2 to two drubbing of Detroit yesterday. It, why is my question? Why is, what, what is the thought process, and why is that allowed to keep going? Like, he, th- didn't, he didn't fucking do a fucking lap. He didn't, like, take the cup around. Like, I mean, I know we're referencing a lot of other sports in today's episode, but this kind of reminds me of baseball. Like, oh, you play really good? I'm going to throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball at you and break your arm, like what happened in Atlanta earlier this year. <laughs> like, oh, you're good? We're going to throw a baseball at you because you're good. That's the only reason why. And it's like, oh, you're winning 7 to nothing. If you don't want seven goals scored on you, don't let seven goals get scored on you. Maybe be pissed off about that instead of going to fighting the one guy who's not going to fight you back. And also... It's a coward move by Marchand because he knows Tom Wilson's not out there. He's going to be able to do what he wants. There's no consequence for that, what we were just talking about. There is no hockey justice because nobody on that team is going to... Is Ovechkin going to go fight Marchand? No. Like, it's seven to nothing. He's just like, whatever, dude. Like, that's what I don't understand about it. And the whole time, Lars Eller has to defend himself when he doesn't want to defend himself. And then the one thing that pissed me off even more about that, the referees did not break that fight up at all. They let them go. And they break every other fight up that ever happens ever for some reason. But the one where he's just doing a housing. You bet if Marchand went at Crosby, that fight's broken up. Uh, in, in seconds. It doesn't even happen. I don't think the ref even lets him get to him. Yeah, that's that's what I, I don't understand about these situations and letting them happen. And then what upsets me more is, like like you said in the, in the beginning of the topic discussion, nothing has happened. It's been a full two weeks. Nothing happened about it. Nothing will. And that's a bummer. I just wanted to point it out. Uh, okay, let's get off the bummer stuff. Let's talk about the the people that are doing good right now. Let's start. Let's start with the rookies. Although he's injured, Dennis Chalowski, uh, Dallas is Miro Heiskanen, Elias again, Elias Patterson injured, uh, Henry Yoki Haru for Chicago. Uh, these are guys that are all really showing up. Uh, some in other ways besides the stat sheet. Uh, examples being Chalowski and Heiskanen, who can. Uh, in moments, again, these are Chalowski and Heisken are not guys you're going to find in the top 10 of scoring. But as evidenced by during Chalowski's absence, the wings got infinitely worse. And Heiskanen, if you watched his first shift, which was like a 47 second shift, I believe, it was a work of poetry. Like the guy just took over the play. He 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 led the breakout. He did the lap around the uh, the net. He 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 can dominate a play. And it, it's 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 equally nice to see and also frustrating because I'm, I'm not a big fan of incredibly offensive defensemen but I like that Dallas you know we talked about this in the offseason Dallas needs a guy that can really you know complement uh the name escapes me uh their main guy why am I blanking Klingberg. on the name thank you thank you Klingberg compliment Klingberg and not ha- take some of that load off of him take some of the pressure off of him now will Heiskanen be instantly a number two no but just what I've seen so far, it looks like he's making a push to be a number two. And Chalowski's make Chalowski, we talked about this on Spinning the Wheels. He looks like a top four guy in this league. Not top four overall. I mean, top four on any given team. And, he, you know, with potential to potentially be top two, but top four more likely. And and that's nice to see. And before we get into the Patterson and the Yoki Aryu, I want to give you, your, your, you know, you time to talk about those two. 
No, I mean, to be honest with you, I was really impressed with Eli- Elias Peterson until the injury. I thought he's been playing extremely well. Mind you, on a team that has literally zero offense, he's been their guy, which is pretty awesome. Um, the Heiskanen, I, I think Dallas, like you said, needs the complimentary piece, especially to go with, you know, they have a really good front side of forwards that are very offensive. So you put five, you know, basically skillful guys on the ice at the same time, good things are going to happen. I, I think a similar situation is like San Jose, where they have Burns and Carlson on the back line. That kind of was what it reminds me of. And they're offensively doing pretty well. So, I mean, Chalosky, I Chalosky reminds me a lot of a Duncan Keith-style player, where he can play both sides of the puck extremely well, but he's confident offensively in this in the right situation. I think, if anything, you know, the Red Wings need that kind of a guy to be there because he's not going to wow you with anything, but he's going to be consistent. And I think if anything, a lot of these teams that are young right now that have drafted really high in the draft, they need young, consistent players that are just going to come in night and night, play like they've been there and play like an NHL professional. That's what's going to get you just a better core of players to move forward with. I agree. And that's, it's uh, how do you describe it? That's what you want. It's what you love. It's everything about the sport that you, uh, I just, I'm happy because it's like something that doesn't happen a lot in the NHL is you don't get usually chunks of players like this. It's usually like one guy a year is the guy. And it's nice to see, you know, and Yoki, 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 are you? Wow. That's hard to say. Let me read the actual enunciation there. Yoki, are you? Yoki, are you? Uh, defenseman in Chicago, finally giving them, uh, another defenseman to lower that uh, cap of uh, defenseman they have right now and maybe you know give them a real one besides Duncan Keith who's getting up there in years five five assists in, in five games it's what you want it's 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 just it's really nice I, I don't have too much more to say about most of these guys unless you do say, go ahead I've actually been uh, the, just the relation to the Blackhawks I've been pleasantly surprised with how they played you and Honestly. everyone else, man. They every, they were predicted I've, to be. I terrible. kind of expected them to be bottom ten team just because of situationally looking on paper at their team. But you know, Bender Cat Kane has definitely been there. Taves has showed up, so that's a team that I think is going to sneakily maybe push for a playoff if they can keep it up. So I know it's early, but they, I think they've played extremely well. I agree. That, that's it. And they don't even have their goalie yet. That I did not know actually. Yeah, Crawford <laughs> is still out with a concussion related syndrome. So. Um, Cam Ward has been basically their number one goalie. <laughs> They're sitting at three zero and two right now, for what it's worth. Uh, okay, just to uh, use the segue I had planned, uh, another young guy who's really getting it all done, and I'm just gonna use this as a segue into the Leafs. Uh, Austin Matthews is going the fuck off. Six games, ten goals, four assists on twenty shots, for what it's worth. So he's shooting at 50% right now, which is fucking stupid. Uh, two game-winning goals, five power play points, four of them goals, averaging two and a third points per game. Uh, are there words? And I, I, you know what? If there are, you know them. Go ahead. Over the offseason, Austin Matthews got together with a bunch of forwards in the NHL, one of them being Patrick Kane, who honestly probably has one of the best shots in the game. And magically... His shot is now amazing. Coincidence? I don't think so. I think this guy put in a lot of effort in the offseason to just be better. And I knew, you know, that I knew, I knew the Leafs would be getting better because of the additions they made in the offseason. But now it's just like, it's all coming together. The pieces are fitting and he's 
he's just on a tear. And the other guy on that team that's on a tear is Mitch Marner. Like, Nylander who? Nylander who right now? I don't care because the team is just, right now, the team looks really impressive. The only thing about that team right now that scares me is the how many goals they've allowed, technically. But, I mean, Anderson still leads in most goal-tending categories in the NHL that I checked before the show started, so we're doing okay. I, I think, if anything, if I know Matthews won't continue this pace, let's just be honest, but Austin Matthews could be maybe the first American to win the Rocket Richard. Which was a stat you pointed out to me that I didn't know existed. I had no idea no American had ever won that. <clears throat> uh, just a fun point of note, currently, as of this recording... Four of the top six scorers in the NHL are Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Austin Matthews at number one, Morgan Riley at number two, John Tavares at number four, and Mitch Marner at number six, all having more than 10 or more points in six games, all averaging two points per game. It's 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 a sight to behold. It's, it's something that to say that we didn't see it coming would be lying. We all saw this coming. This is a team that has been uh, on the rise for a number of years, and we all, you know we always said... Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to willing to do the deep dive into our back catalog, but I remember you saying several times over the years that they're not there yet, but they're close. They might need one more piece. And to say Tavares is a piece would be putting it mildly. Uh, this guy has <laughs> shown up and not disappointed. Six games, ten points, six goals. He's scoring in every game. He's scoring in every way. That's probably the best line in all of hockey, if I had to guess. Uh, not just statistically, but I mean in terms of like long-term longevity, skill, and the ability to stay together. Pardon me, I'm sick. Uh, but it, it it's just ridiculous what they've been able to do in such a short time. And I saw it here on Thursday. I watched most of that game. That that five to two, I believe, drubbing or maybe five to three, five to three. drubbing of Detroit. It, but it was a false three, if I've ever seen one. Like even Larkin when he scored. If you watched, it, it, fun fact for all the listeners, if you want to go watch a fun face, go watch Larkin's face when he scores. It is the most disinterest that has ever happened on a hockey player after a goal. He's like, yeah, whatever, I scored. We're still losing. I was going to say, that rink, it should mainly be red. There was a lot of blue there. That was a home game for Toronto. Basically, <laughs> it's not hard. The, the, Detroit's having such uh, attendance issues that they're changing the seats to black. Like, it, it's a clear-cut problem. But anyways, yeah, the, I mean, the question I have, though, is you know, knowing – that after six games, your goal differential is only plus seven, 29-22. So you're putting all the goals up in the world. Like You expressed it as a concern, but how big of a, how big of a concern is it for you, the fact that they're giving up an average of, what, almost four goals a game? Three a game, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a concern because of the fact that like I knew it was going to be a problem coming into this offseason, but it's kind of one of those ride-or-die things that you kind of do when you have a really highly offensive team. You're just kind of like, well, if we outscore them, we're more than likely going to win most of our games. We just got to do what we got to do. This is what we have. And I know it's it's a segue piece, but honestly, this this kind of is one of the things that since Nylander's still holding out, that we own his rights, that, that could be trade bait. And a trade piece could be, you know, sending maybe him and Gardner for a pretty good defenseman somewhere. And I'm okay with that. Woof, that's a big deal. That'd be a big deal. That'd be I mean, what, what do you think you're going to fetch with that is the honest question. I'm hoping a top two defenseman. Easy. Can you throw out some names? Oh, I hate to put you on the spot like that. I, I, yeah, because it's like salary cap and stuff. Um, just, a, just a guess. You don't have to be exact player, but like a player like. 
obviously you're not talking about maybe like getting a player like, a like Brent Seabrook. Seabrook? Okay. <laughs> Seabrook, something of that nature. Um, just just a steady defensive defenseman. Like I don't think they need another scoring piece on the back line. We got enough of that. I agree. We have enough scoring up front that we don't need to worry about it. Yeah. So. Okay. So you're thinking like a suitor type. Yeah. That could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody who can just eat a lot of minutes and is not uh, going to be desperate to score, but will just rack up points by proxy. Yeah. When they need to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, honestly, I could see that too. Especially, I mean, not to. I know we said like, but. Suter could be a viable target. He's a little expensive, but Minnesota's in a position. Subban. That's. Nah, I think that's shooting for the moon a little bit. I mean, he's always got character issues, and everybody's trying to get rid of them. So, air quotes. <laughs> air quotes. Air quotes. Air quotes might be the name of the episode. Uh, all right. So we're starting to run a little long. Let's jump into one of these other topics real quick. Because uh, I don't. You've had enough. <laughs> you've had enough today. You've had enough. Uh, Leafs love today. Let's talk about the, uh, speaking of victory celebrations, a team that is currently sitting 4-0-1 atop the Metropolitan because uh, the Metropolitan's fucking upside down right now with uh, the Penguins and the Wa- Penguins and the Capitals sitting at 4-5 and five, and Carolina, New Jersey, and Columbus sitting at 1-2-3. and three. But uh, Carolina is celebrating games in an interesting fashion. They all line up on their own blue line, get the crowd involved, and then all take a full run to the opposing glass behind the net and dive into it. <sighs> Thoughts? It's fun until somebody gets hurt. Like, glass was not meant to have that much of an impact simultaneously, right? Like, I know I'm being dumb about this, but that's... No, I mean, it is. It's meant. Glass is the glass is a lot of give. People think that the glass is like a hard, sturdy object. It's really not. It's a very flexible object. So... I mean, but a whole team. Eh. You, you eh. don't think one of those it, panels could flex out? Nah, it's plexi. It's not even real glass. It's plexiglass. So no, it's meant. It's meant to give. Oh, I thought they had real glass though. No, it's plexi. Oh, oh I wonder if that's why. There's I mean, no it more... breaks like real glass, but it's it's plexi. Oh, okay. Huh. Well, because real real glass does not have a bending agent like that. Well, the question is. Okay, so when someone does inevitably get hurt by falling, because that could happen, or the real question I have is, because this is not a big deal, obviously, but the real question I have is, when do you stop doing this? Or do you do this for every you victory? You just, you just keep... It's like every team has a different victory celebration. You know, the, the Rangers all met at center ice and raised their sticks. Now the Red Wings are doing that, too. I mean, you have some teams that... They have special celebrations when you win and pregame stuff like the Knights pregame stuff is pretty cool. Like you have all these celebrations like whatever makes you have fun and your fans have fun. And obviously it's working. That team is on fire and they're having fun. Yeah, that's the main thing that I think they are having fun playing hockey. They're doing the best thing in the world. They're playing professional hockey at the highest level and having fun. Like what else do you need? Let them have their fun. I mean, I can't wait to hear what John Don Cherry has to say about this shit because he hates celebrating in any kind of fashion. So I'm sure he just loathes this. Oh, I'm sure he does. But, but I mean, hey, let him have fun. I don't have a problem with it. I think there needs to be more kind of stuff like this. Let him have fun, man. Whatever. And those alternate jerseys, though, they're so nice. Mm, yeah. Man, those jerseys took me a second to process, but my God. Uh, real quick, I just want to touch on a player that's kind of having his coming out party this year. Whether he'll be able to sustain or not, I don't know. Sebastian Ajo. On Sebastian Ajo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ten points in five games. Uh, for a guy who's you know, 65 last year, 49 in his rookie year, uh, drafted in the second round, 
he wasn't exactly a high pick. You know, it's not like this is a a number one overall or a McDavid type situation, but he's just a guy that, I mean, he seems to be getting it done. And the question is, is this, is this who he is? Yeah. You think so? I think the writing's been on the walls. He's, he's showed flashes of it, and now he finally just, he's he's gotten enough confidence to where he's going and doing it. I'm cool with it. You're not worried about the size, 5'11", 172? No, because Patrick Kane is like 5'11", 180. Okay, fair enough. The game is the game is less physical. It's more about skill and speed. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I just wanted to touch on it because it's a guy that I I, I don't discredited. Know, if you've seen that guy handle the puck, is yeah, <laughs> he's pretty incredible. Man. I falsely discredited him uh, after you know forty nine point rookie year. I thought it would be better, but I mean, this is unbelievable. This I mean, and then you also have to imagine forty nine points on the Hurricanes. I, I you know what? I made that point two weeks ago. You said you disagreed because Jeff Skinner used to do that. Yeah, Jeff Skinner is different though. I think Jeff Skinner is highly overrated. Okay, fair enough. See, there's a, there's a different thing. Ah, so if my opinion is different, the rules are different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I gotcha. no, just okay. Uh, last topic. Uh, just just because it's such a strange stat, uh, just because it's something I didn't expect. It's like one of those things that's been pointed out a lot, and uh, I didn't notice. Uh, uh, Dave Lozo, a uh, guy we follow, I follow quite actively. Listen to his show. Uh, Puck Super was worth giving the free shout out. Uh, he has been jokingly tracking Vegas Golden Knights home losses since they allowed Imagine Dragons to play in T-Mobile Arena. They're 0-8 uh, on home ice since the Imagine Dragons have played on home ice. Uh, they're 1-4 to start the season flurry with an 846 save percentage. Uh, all jokes aside, are you concerned about this team? And also, are you concerned about their home record now? I mean, to be honest with you, they had a pretty crazy first year, so I had a feeling that maybe this year they might start a little bit slow. I mean, they went all the way to Stanley Cup Finals with a new team. So, I mean, kind of you got that. They played a lot of games on a lot amount of time, like unlike a lot of these teams that they're currently playing. Because a lot of these teams that they're currently playing haven't even been in the playoffs. They're pretty rested. So, yeah. Are you concerned with what? Have you seen any of their games this year? And, I mean, they won They won last night, one to nothing. So. Not on home ice. No, I mean, it wasn't Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia has been one of those borderline teams that I think has been okay. So I, I, I'm not super concerned because, if anything, their division has been pretty weak this year, uh, to be honest, yeah. so far. Yeah, right now the I leader, mean, the Sharks haven't amazed me with anything yet. The leader right now is the, considering, is the Ducks with uh, seven points in five games, just worth noting. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, that division is what it is. Like, <laughs> it's not anything too crazy. I mean, Calgary is second in your division right now, so I'm not – overly concerned no i'm not either i'm concerned more for the sharks if i'm being honest if i had to be concerned about any team actually real quick let's do that to wrap up the show one team in each division you're concerned about for me i'm going to start with the sharks two three and one after six games is not a place you want to start they're a negative two oh excuse me a negative two goal differential uh for a team that just signed probably quote-unquote the best defenseman in the league or traded for in the offseason that's not a good start uh was there magic in joe's beard i don't know uh, what team are you concerned about in the Pacific? I would say Edmonton. I think it's time to start pushing the panic button. Um, because you have all these pieces. McDavid hasn't really looked great yet. Granted, they've only played like four games. <laughs> three games. But they've given up ten goals in three games. Yeah. That's alarming to me. And especially when you're only putting up like five goals. So, 
I mean, five goals in three games this isn't anything to shroud about. So that's a team that I mean, I haven't seen. But this happened last year too. They started kind of slow, and then they made kind of a push, but they still inevitably did not make the playoffs. And I think in the McDavid era, every year you don't make the playoffs, you are wasting your talent. Yeah, yeah, that's a good good phrasing in the McDavid era. Every year you don't make the playoffs, you're wasting it. Uh, in the Central, my concern would be probably St. Louis, uh, only because they're in last. That that division is probably the strongest in the league, if I had to be fair, based on record. Uh, you know, everybody but actually everybody is at or over five hundred, not counting. I mean, overtime losses being a point, but no one has lost more than they've won, counting straight wins and losses. It's a good division, but I would, if I was St. Louis, I would expect to not be sitting at four under. I mean that's not a good position to be in this 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 you know this far into the season. Four games though is not that much. Uh, with a new lead like uh, O'Reilly, they might be able to turn that around at some point. Anybody concern you in the Central? I I think if I'm going to be honest, I know it's early, but Winnipeg a little bit, especially they're showing against Nashville the other night. They got shut out, and I think that's a team that I expected to probably if not win or compete for the central division because they had a really good year last year but i think nashville's got their number and i think if anything pat uh, patrick line needs to get it going he needs to start scoring some goals blake wheeler needs to get going uh, mark shifley needs to get going that that front line needs to really start getting it going and they also need to stop taking really bad penalties because that's definitely shooting them in the foot i watched a lot of that nashville winnipeg game because it was just on and I saw it, and they're super undisciplined hockey right now, and it's really costing them. Uh, jumping over to the Atlantic, I'm going to say my concern is Florida. Now, you might think I'd say Detroit, but I'm all on board for losing all your games, so that's fine. This is the home of the only two, I believe, if I'm not correct in saying, yep, the only two winless teams left in hockey, Florida and Detroit. Uh, but my concern is for Florida because that is a team that is not constructed for longevity. Uh, you you need to start winning and winning now and winning often and winning winning handily. You're, you've only scored seven goals in three games and you've allowed ten. That's 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 a problem. Your goaltending is nothing to write home about. Roberto Luongo is at the very end of his career, and James Reimer is not a starting goalie in this league. I don't care what you say, he's not. Uh, so. You have a goaltending problem that needs to be addressed, and your team is not getting wins, and that's a big concern for me. How about you? I fundamentally agree with that. I, I can't really say anything else about anybody else because Detroit, I want them to lose so they can get a high draft pick. Tampa is still 2-1. and one. I mean, Ottawa's even, basically. I mean, everybody else in the division is even or plus a one or two I would, outside of Toronto and Boston. <laughs> I would say my other concern would have been Ottawa because if you're an Ottawa fan, you don't want those wins. You would prefer to have losses. True. Uh, you want True. that number one pick. Uh, and then last but not least, the... Now, you'd expect me to say Rangers. I'm actually going to say Islanders only because, again, much like Ottawa, I don't want wins. You just lost a franchise player that more or less fucking defined your team for the last half a decade. You need to lose. You need to stop getting wins. You shouldn't. I mean, I know the philosophy is, you know, if you can win, win. Go for it. But I I disagree with that. I think if you're if you're the Islanders, a team that has nearly no depth and nearly no actual roster construction, you shouldn't you should almost not be trying for wins in 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 the way that the salary cap is set up. How about you? I would say Washington. Their goal differential has been terrible. They're plus one right now. They've allowed 19 goals in like four or five games. Something like that. So that's one of those teams that, yeah, I, I think maybe the Stanley Cup hangover is a real thing. 
and could be especially for that team. So I don't think they're not intoxicated yet. Keep in mind they're only plus one with a seven nothing victory to start the season. Yes, yeah. that's what's concerning about yeah. it. All right, well, let's wrap this up unless you got anything else you want to add to the docket. All right, cool. Uh, if you guys enjoyed the topic, enjoyed the topics we talked about, enjoyed the show, uh, I ask, as I always do, to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Uh, if you're not into iTunes, you can check us out on TuneIn Radio, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and Facebook just by searching SRD Hockey. We have our own feed. We'd love for you guys to share it. You can follow the brand on Twitter at SportsRadioDET. Our sister show is at STW underscore SRD. Steve has a Twitter. It is... Franchise GFX. I have a Twitter at JM Pinkham. Check out our website at sportsradiodetroit.com. Thank you, and we'll see you guys in two weeks. This has been an SRD production.